Hello, everyone. This is me, Angela, once again. Apologies for keeping people hanging. Uh, I didn't mean to do that. I was trying to write some other content, and I was also too working. I know that shouldn't be an excuse, but I've been feeling kind of tired lately, too. It's very sunny here, and I do like to lay on the sun. Sometimes that sucks out all my energy, literally. And I've just been trying to work out more work on my body. I mean, I've been doing that within the past couple of years, been really working on exercising and trying to get things looking right and tight, so to speak. But I know that's not an excuse and I should have came out with some more content. I will say this, I am writing a list or I have a small list that'll gradually get bigger on different true crime topics, uh, deceased people, celebrity type of topics that I'd like to talk about and see what kind of mediumship and intuitive notions come out of these people. But without further ado, let me play you Nix Casey's video on Jean-Benet Ramsey Sketchy Details Part 23. And of course, like always, I will give my two cents and I will talk about other sources I found to suggests that her opinion is correct and to also give the right sources to show that, you know, what she's saying is real and true and this is not made up. I'll put this a little louder. Jumping Ramsey's Sketchy Details, Part 23. If you have not watched the first 22 parts, it's highly advised that you do so you can keep up with what we're talking about. And for the few who are actually going to go back and watch them, just be advised that um, the beginning ones are extremely low quality. This video, as well as every video in this series, are intended for an educational purpose only and are not intended for children at all. So number 89 is going to be a addition to number 87 of the last video because I forgot to explain exactly why I link um, Dawn with Fleet on the day of her funeral. So on the night of the 23rd, they had that Christmas party, the other Christmas party where there was that mysterious 911 call. Well, that night and then that morning, the next morning, which would be Christmas Eve morning, Don Pa, so Patsy's dad, decides to take a standby flight. Now, at first, I didn't know what the hell a standby flight was, but basically, like in layman's terms, it's you go to the airport and you wait in hopes that somebody who's taking a flight to the same place you're going to is for some reason going to cancel their flight that they had already booked and that somebody else isn't going to get it before you. It's really ridiculous, right? Well, to think to do this on a holiday is even more ridiculous because during the holiday season, every airline overbooks the flights by 10% on top of what they already overbooked flights. So it's kind of really ridiculous and it seems like he really, really wanted to get out of there. I think him deciding to go on a standby flight and the 911 call and Fleet White getting mad are all related. That's why I said that in number 87. So number 90 is one that I have been holding on to. Okay, uh, I don't have too much to say about the Don Pa situation with him trying to book a flight on Christmas Eve or whatever. And I just wanted to say that on Reddit, they were talking a little bit about it, but the JonBenet Ramsey Reddit is just a bunch of gobbledygook. So if you want to look it up, go ahead. I haven't found any hardcore facts as to why he needed to have some weird standby flight, unless deep down he knew something wrong or ritualized was going to go on the night before Christmas or the night after Christmas, because that's all true about like the cabal, then it is what it is for kind of a while now um i'm kind of being lazy right now so i'll just post it up in the text on the screen <laughs> but in one of my earlier videos i'm talking about that guy that stole the um autopsy photos and then sold them to the globe magazine and how the globe magazine then um published a couple of them right well i'm gonna play this little clip for you of a video and then we'll go back and we'll talk about what he's talking about in the clip Decency would be, would be good. globe spokesperson tony faust says that is not the case we 
took very careful consideration before publishing these photographs. We had a large selection to choose from, and we chose what we feel are the less sensational ones. Okay, so the reason why I left the little glitchy part in the beginning of the other guy saying a little decency would be nice is because it emphasizes what the Globe reporter, you know, he's not the reporter, he's a representative for the Globe, said. He says that, you know, they had a large selection to choose from. They took very careful consideration when selecting the photos, and they specifically chose ones that were the less sensational. Now, do you remember how sensational those photographs that they picked were for a lot of people? A lot of people couldn't handle those photos. Imagine the photos that they didn't publish. That's what I'm saying, people. If they wouldn't have published those photos, we would not have them. So there's way more that show way worse. So I stand firmly behind that there were more physical signs on her body of what happened, and they're hiding that from us. So number 91 is going to be about... Before we go into number 91, I just wanted to say, I couldn't find that exact video on YouTube. I mean, she could have gone on Vimeo or some other site to find the video where the guy was like, oh, a little decency would be nice. And then the British guy who runs Globe said, well, we took very careful considerations. First off, I think in this day and age, in any magazine, much less, well, in a tabloid, much less any legitimate magazine, they would not put any cadaver or autopsy photos of a murdered or deceased child. You know what I mean? I think it would be seen as poor taste and out of pocket, even though in their own way, they probably think it's a way to show, hey, this is what happened. This wasn't fake. This could happen to your kid. And if they do have that opinion, I guess that's their opinion. But I did find a video, and I'll link it, where this man named Sean Smith was the guy who was processing the autopsy photos of John Bonet, and he sold those photos to his friend, Brett Sawyer. And then he got arrested because what he was doing was illegal to sell those photos. And he tried to play it off like, well, my friend said he was investigating the case and yada, yada. So who knows who really has the accurate or actual autopsy photos of John Benet Ramsey. And also, too, I want to say this, Craft Laboratories, that was where those autopsy photos were getting produced, or I should say developed. Developed sounds like a better word. Have they ever been investigated for doing anything strange with autopsy photos in general i mean not just children but adults or well anyone especially children i should say i don't know we don't hear much about craft laboratories but then again i don't exactly seek out any facts about them so moving along let's go to 91 somebody who we really have not talked a lot about at all and that's going to be the photographer judith phillips now i came across an interview with judith phillips and she says something that this was the first time i had heard about it and it instantly made me think of something that i was already aware of existed in texas or at least used to exist in texas before we get into the whole texas thing though there's a couple other things about this interview that i want to point out one was she says john had a very devious aspect to him i think that's very very true she also firmly believes that at some point patsy began to um suspect that john was actually and judith believes that patsy was john Bonnet because of John's sexual So Judith actually knew them from Atlanta before any of them moved to Boulder. And Judith says that when she knew the Ramses in Atlanta, they were more of an affectionate couple and they enjoyed each other more so. And Judith moved to Boulder a year and a half before the Ramses did. Patsy would come and visit. While Judith says that once Patsy actually moved to Boulder, she saw a big, big change in Patsy's demeanor and her personality. Judith states that Patsy was allowing 
the newfound wealth to change her and to form her into a person who was more consumed with how her house looked and the furniture and dressing up in immaculate brand new clothes, right? Well, Judith says that she firmly believes that it was the money that was changing Patsy because it seemed that the more and more wealthier they got, the more and more kind of stuck up and materialistic Patsy got. Judith speaks of witnessing Patsy starting to play games with people, like one-upper games and I'm better than you games, constantly one-upping people's stories, as well as constantly voicing about some new big purchase that she had made. Judith also talks about how after Patsy first beat ovarian cancer, that Patsy didn't really appreciate her second chance at life by looking deeper within herself to see what life was truly about and see that appearance and social status were indeed only surface qualities that don't really matter in the grand scheme of things and how Patsy only became super religious after she beat cancer. Now she would out outwardly bring up God and speak about God a lot when as before she only attended church and never really brought God up in any conversation. Her whole religious fanatic thing came after she beat ovarian cancer the first time. Judith also reveals that Nedra is who quasi informed Judith about JonBenet's beauty pageants by showing Judith the pink cowboy sweetheart outfit. Um, Judith speaks about how she had never seen JonBenet dance, walk, or dress like that while they were at home and stuff like that. She says that it almost felt like a second life that Patsy was keeping from her while she was alive because Judith didn't see any of these pictures or video until after JonBenet had died. So she felt like it was this whole second life that Patsy was trying to hide from certain people. She speaks about how at the photo shoot where Nedra and Patsy and Burke and JonBenet are all wearing white, that when she was photographing JonBenet, she actually had a hard time because JonBenet didn't know how to loosen up and be natural. She was so poised and um, posed, if you will. She said that was kind of very telling to her because it was like JonBenet didn't know how to not be quote unquote on, you know what I mean? And she said that um, she was trying to capture like a deeper side of JonBenet and I think that's kind of trippy because if you look at those pictures JonBenet looks like she's at her wit's end she looks fed up she looks drained exhausted and she looks like she's hopeless I personally find these photos to be the most haunting of JonBenet so in the summer of 1995 the Ramses for some reason went to spend that summer in Texas wait wait okay before I start talking about the summer in Texas back in 1995 I will say this I once again struggled a little to find much about Judith Phillips, but I did find this lady who had a WordPress who goes by the Colts. She put up an interview with Judith Phillips talking about the Ramses, and it's pretty close. It's not every little thing that Nick's Casey was showing in her video while she was talking, but it is close to the fact about, oh, you know, why was she bleaching her daughter's hair blonde? And they were acting kind of weird about wealth and money and blah, blah, blah. The lady from the Colts, she kind of denounces what Judith Phillips says, almost kind of like acting like Judith was jealous of Patsy. I wouldn't doubt that. But I don't know. Judith Phillips, she sounds like somebody who just kind of wanted to get her name out there. Like, okay, if they're going to interview any photographer, why not go after Randy Simmons or Randy Simons, however you say his name? He was the one who was taking all these photos that weren't the most appropriate. You know, and didn't he get busted a couple of years ago for CP or some kind of weird shit like that? I, I don't know. I mean, I do know it was something like that. But honestly, it just is kind of an odd interview because in it too, the lady who goes by the colds she was hinting that she thinks that john and patsy and judith and her ex-husband like were swinging or something with the ramses or doing some weird sexual activities in atlanta and then she was saying oh i immediately knew when they called me that they had murdered jean benet like the parents had like how does she know that person i I don't know. That's just kind of the perspective I'm taking it from what the Colts was hinting and saying on her WordPress blog site. She said that she was going to put up 
part two of the Judith Phillips. Let's see if I can click over here. The Judith Phillips interview, but she never did. And this was back in 2010. So maybe she forgot to do it or whatnot. But anyway, I'll link what I found on the WordPress site. And then we could talk a little bit more about what else we could say about Judith Phillips and the situation at large. I say some reason, because isn't it like a thousand degrees during the summertime? And that when they came back, that Judith noticed changes in both Patsy and JonBenet. She states that Patsy looked, she had worry lines, and she looked way more aged for it just being a few months that she had seen her last. And that the other change was that Patsy was sporting a brand new ginormous diamond ring. Now, she doesn't specify if it's on her ring finger, but I assume that it does because she states that Patsy's excuse for getting it was seeing all the other Texas's wives' giant wedding rings, and then she wanted one too. As far as JonBenet, she said the first thing she noticed was JonBenet's bleach blonde hair, which Patsy denied bleaching it, but it was clearly bleached. And then she says that she noticed that JonBenet's chubby cheeks, her little baby fat in her face, was missing, and that she looked exhausted. She looked like that a certain childish joy was kind of missing from her. She just said she can't pinpoint it, but there was something different, something like saddened about JonBenet. Now, I had known about the bleach blonde hair, but I did not know that they spent a summer in Texas, nor of these other changes that Judith noticed. Now, there, I don't know how I'm going to go about Okay, I don't mean to cut her off again talking about the Texas stuff, but I will say this. When I was reading the Colds' posted interview of Judith Phillips talking to the interviewer, she did say, you know, the stuff that Nick's Casey is talking about with the whole, she kind of lost her baby fat in her face. She didn't have like the chubby cheeks or the full face. I don't think she ever really was a chubby baby or kid, but um, Judith Phillips was saying that JonBenet almost looked anorexic and very gaunt in the face, like she had been overworked or something. And when they were doing that photo shoot with the white where it was, Patsy and Burke and Nedra and Jean Benet, like I, it's not that she looks bad in it, but she just looks kind of at her wits end, like Nick's Casey is saying. But it does seem kind of interesting too, because I don't remember if this was Judith or if this was another woman, but some other woman who was kind of like within that little group or whatever was saying, "Oh, I saw Jean Benet. You know, I saw her back when she was like three or four or whatever." And then the next summer later, oh my gosh, she got taller and she looked a lot thinner like almost hinting that maybe she was on like a weird diet or something so like I said I don't know if this person was Judith or someone else but there was definitely something going on as far as looking the right way and presenting the same way but yet doing something really dark about saying this but okay so after first reading that I instantly thought about something in Texas or something that used to be in Texas that was called I don't know what it was called but it was some sort of circus themed studio where CP was filmed and produced. And it was associated with another place in Texas that was called Uncle Sam's Snuff Factory or Snuff Farm, one of them. Um, they, it's because, you know, they go hand in hand, these two activities. I instantly thought that John Bonet had, that their whole Texas trip was because John Bonet went to that circus themed studio. Mr. Pickles Circus, that's right. It was called Mr. Pickles Circus. Last thing I want to bring up is about. Oh, and I tried looking up Uncle Sam's and Mr. Pickles Circus. Eh don't <laughs> or at least i didn't want to some weird stuff was coming up about like bitch shoot and i was like yeah i better not click on that i don't i don't know much i'll just give nick's casey her flowers and give her the benefit of the doubt that this was all about cp being produced and whatnot patsy so i had heard 
from elsewhere about this once before, but for the life of me, I cannot remember where I heard it from. But after hearing Judith talk about it, it made me start to believe that it has some sort of credibility. Anyway, so there's talk that on Christmas night of 1996, that after the Ramses returned home from the White's Christmas party, that Patsy went to another Christmas party by herself where she met up with this man that she was having an affair with. This man was also a resident of Boulder, who was an investor of some sort. He was married with children, and his children went to the same school as John Bonet. And Linda Hoffman also further supports this by stating that Patsy began to get all dolled up early in the day, leaving without saying where she was going, just expecting Linda to babysit all day, and then she'd come home super giddy and super happy. So now this guy has a lot on the line to lose if he ever came forward about this little affair. That's why he has never told police about being with Patsy on Christmas night of 1996. Now, whatever, I get it, sort of. You don't want your precious public image and your not-so-precious family, because you cheated, to be ruined, thus most likely ruining your career. But I am so sick of all these people around this case that choose to self-preserve instead of do right by John Bonet. Seriously, I am so tired of people who have pertinent information about this case staying silent and denying John Bonet justice just to save face or stay in good graces with someone else. Like, can this poor child ever have anyone around her do what's best for her and not they damn selves? I mean, what's the worst that could come out of this guy coming forward? I definitely agree with that before she went to the what's the worst that this what's the worst that can happen with this guy coming forward but i will say this i feel like there was a lot of jealous women kind of around patsy you know it was always like the photographer lady and the frumpy old housemaid or whatnot and it's like you kind of know going in you're not dealing with you know a family that's kind of average you're dealing with a family that's very extravagant and oh she had to have these gorgeous christmas parties and she had all these designer bags and the jewelry you know why work for a family you think is really snooty when you kind of know going in like it is going to be very much about the poshness and whatnot and i will say this this popped into my head again about judah phillips talking about jean bonnet's appearance but she was saying she looked really strained and the face like gaunt and she was saying you know Real little kids, you know, a real little kid wouldn't be like that thin to the point where it looks concerned. You know, that happens more in adolescence because people are more concerned about their looks and trying to fit into a certain way. So, yeah, like I said, it probably swings either way. Well, first. Oh, before. And there I go again, cutting her off. Next, Casey. I will say this. I do know for a fact or intuitively. I shouldn't say for a fact, but. Intuitively, I do know John and Patsy were having affairs on each other, but honestly, I think the whole going to one Christmas party that runs kind of late into the night and then going to another one, that sounds like she would have been doing too much. I don't believe Patsy snuck out that night to go to some other Christmas party to see her like side piece. That just seems like way too obvious. And maybe that's just a way for Nick's Casey to kind of act like, well, then she let John do what he wanted to her and his grimy friends. I mean, I see if she does think like that, then that could be plausible. But I think that's doing too much to go to all those Christmas parties within a day and within a night, especially when you're like, well, we have to wake up at like five or six to get ready on the airplane to, you know, see our other uh, family, you know, the two older kids from the prior marriage, John Andrew and, uh, Melinda because they were supposed to pick them up or meet up with them at Atlanta and then they were supposed to go to Disney World that just sounds like doing too much even if you are trying to cover up a murder I mean all this back and forth yeah John has a private plane but still for who 
for him, that'd be his unfidelity, infidelity being exposed. So shame, embarrassment, and probably a divorce. For Patsy, not to be rude, but who cares? She's dead, so nothing could really affect her. For the case, well, I'm not really sure besides show the true level of corruption that crawled all the way up the judicial ladder of Colorado. And this is huge, mainly for two reasons. The first one being some of the most powerful people who came to be involved in the case, either by choice or being pulled into it by somebody else, are 100% aware of the fact that Dominique was being subjected to CP. And the second one being the bigger scope shows the high level of the game of politics that were played in the case to convince certain officials to not charge the Ramses and certain higher up authorities to block certain lower officials from moving forward with the truth. Which makes me want to talk about this for a quick second. There is something that everyone needs to acknowledge and accept about this case. And that is that 75%, if not more, of the reasons why the Ramses were never charged is because it would then start this snowball of horror and true moral panic in Boulder and elsewhere, forever destroying Boulder's delusions of safety, purity, prosperity, justice, and being the all-American dream town. There is no one reason for why Domine is and forever will be denied justice. If you are such a shallow person that you have to have it whittled down to one thing that you can then pinpoint and aim all your hate towards, then that one thing is CP. Bottom line. But for those of us who need to see every individual held accountable for whatever part they played in her murder and injustice, here are some of the reasons why adults who know exactly what happened to her choose to betray her even in death. This poor child is betrayed to the fullest. And these you know, reasons are all under the assumption that our justice system is fair and just and that they did this all in the beginning of the investigation. The tightly sealed lid to the CP production of American children, as well as the participation of American adults in CP, would be blown off, exposing the mainstream media worshipping Americans to something that their beloved talking heads have endlessly denied. In turn, causing real, 100% expected moral panic and outrage, pretty much causing total chaos. We would see people like Alex Hunter, Jay Olowski, and the Steins, and so, so, so many more people would have or should have been arrested, meaning for Boulder at the time, that they would have seen troves of their city officials, representatives, and local politicians getting arrested for horrible, horrible things like conspiracy, aiding and abetting, possession of CP, distribution of CP, tampering with evidence, falsifying evidence, bribery, among much, much more, thereby completely destroying any and all trust and belief in their government officials and representatives. It would have killed Boulder's little well-crafted hypno-dream of perfection. Not only those types of people, but they would also begin to see other certain members of their society being arrested, like friends, neighbors, teachers, professors, dance instructors, photographers, doctors, and religious figureheads, with mostly being charged with charges related to CP, further traumatizing the Boulder residents, shattering friendships, business ventures, educational ventures, and more. This, if it would have been done right, would have absolutely destroyed Boulder and what Boulder thinks it stands for. So lots of people whom they were close with, who they wouldn't have never suspected otherwise, would all be put underneath the spotlight for their dirty, sinister little secret. Her murder is so, so much bigger than simply a child murder case from some small town in Colorado. This has huge far-reaching multi-state implications. It affects all the states they lived in or frequented, Michigan, Georgia, Virginia, etc., due to the extremely high probability that her tiny technicality, but West Virginia, not Virginia, P was also exchanged in or out of these states and possibly even produced in that state, and that individuals in high places in those states would also be arrested for CP-related charges. Another reason why it will never be solved is because our military, I'm thinking mostly Navy, but the Army too, are directly involved with the production and transportation of CP, as well as the FBI being involved in the covering up of the CP, which is probably the biggest reason why this case will never ever be solved. The Navy, the Army, and the FBI are extremely powerful and, let's say, influential organizations. Now, not every individual working for or enlisted in the Army, Navy, or FBI are involved or even know about it. In fact, odds are it is only a very small percentage from each organization that knows and participates in the CP. Little disclaimer real quick, any organization I may bring up like the FBI or even the Freemasons and I say, oh, blah, blah, the FBI knows or the Freemasons do it, does not mean and should not be taken to mean that every individual involved in said organization is guilty. So please do not take it that way. With all that being said, I remember someone or a couple of Boulder residents talking about exactly how many people moved out of Boulder right after her murder. Hmm, I wonder who all those pedos or excuse me, people are. Anyway, I think this is where I'm going mm -hmm. to stop this one. I do so hope that you enjoyed it. Please like, subscribe, and share. I am trying to reach a thousand subscribers, and thank you so much to my recent subscribers and my existing ones. I really do appreciate all the feedback and the comments, and it's just nice to know that people are taking to this. So, as always, God bless. Evil on this scale is impossible to comprehend. To know who murdered John Bunny Ramsey would be to know what world we live in, where we are.
Okay, so I was going to say, I definitely agree with the wrap-up of what she said about, you know, these people are just kind of basically covering their own asses. That's it. Like, it starts small and local, but it can go national as well. And I want to say this, was Boulder, Colorado ever really such a cozy town? From what I intuited and just what I heard from, like, other people and even listening to Steve Thomas's book, it kind of feels like it was, like, a kind of granola, I don't want to say hippie or hipster, but kind of like an outdoorsman or outdoors lady woman type of town like a little granola but at the same time too it kind of felt like the fuck shit party hardy college town because boulder was there and there's probably a bunch of drug busts or kids partying a little too much too much drinking was it ever really that cozy of a town i'm just asking because i feel you know they were trying to take a college party town or kind of an outdoorsy town and make it seem like it was this family-friendly town when that's not how it was. But anyway, Nick's Casey did that video back on July 4th, and so it's been a month and nine days since she's done anything. She is making a video on the McMartin preschool tragedy, I guess I could say. Um, allegations, I guess, is a more proper term instead of tragedy, but she hopefully will make a number 24 of the JonBenet Ramsey sketchy details I mean, I'd be happy to see that as well. But yes, if anyone has anything else to say, please comment below. And like always, I will link her YouTube video and I will link the Judith Phillips interview as well as the uh, video where the man was selling some photos of Jean Benet. Well, maybe most or all. That's the thing we don't know. But anyway, the one where Sean Smith was selling photos to Brett Sawyer, who worked at the craft laboratories, and he was giving it to his friend under the guise of, oh, well, he was just an investigator. Like, okay. Okay, well, anyway, I will end this right here. You heard me ramble on enough.